Welcome to RAQA Today, the podcast that puts the fun back in quality, compliance, and regulatory affairs. Here's your host, Michelle Lott. requirements that's defined in the regulation and but it has to meet all of those requirements to be exempt from the 510k okay so to to figure out what those requirements are we go to the regulation that governs masks here it can they're class two special controls which generally means a 510k but Mm -hmm. here is where they're breaking down surgical respirators um, specifically surgical n95 so here are the requirements the user contacting components must be demonstrated to be biocompatible mm-hmm. and that could happen a couple of different ways um, the most common is by getting uh, biocompatibility testing to iso 10993 but it's also possible to do some sort of characterization, especially if the raw material manufacturers have data and they can prove that the manufacturing process hasn't changed anything about the biocompatibility of the raw materials. But that will have to be done by a uh, biocompatibility professional. Then the next requirement is non-clinical testing, and that's in two parts it's uh one part is flammability and there are there's a standard that they have to test to for that um i believe it's a a cfr and Mm -hmm. depending on the intended use environment is gonna is which level of flammability that they have to be compliant with then the next thing is that they have to demonstrate fluid barrier or a resistance to penetration by, by fluids um, since that they will be used in a surgical environment. And then last but not least is your NIOSH um, approval underneath that whole regulatory process and through that agency. And because it's a class two device, even though it is a 510K exempt, it is not exempt from design controls. So we're back to where we kind of started that conversation about, you know, I I could see that they're a class one manufacturer. They likely don't have a procedure for design controls. So that's something that they would need to expand their quality system to capture. Also, since they're a contract manufacturer, they probably may or may not have a complaint and reporting procedure, but that's something that uh, we, we need to evaluate and, and consider expanding their quality management system with as well. They wanted to move these machines based on just a little bit that uh, we discussed and said they wanted to move it to the, a different building so that they can comply with the medical ISO standards. Um, since they have, you know, ISO 9001 and not, what is it, 13? 13, 485. Yeah, 485. 
So they think it would be easier to just have a different building and just make it compliant with 13485? Um, not necessarily. Um, 13485 is the medical device quality system standard. It is voluntary in the United States. So what's most important is that their quality system is compliant with 21 CFR 820. And they should have a system that is compliant with 21 CFR 820, even for their class one devices. Mm -hmm. And unless you're trying to say that these masks are gonna be sterile, then there should be no really different environmental controls for the masks and their other products. So right, because even if they do sterilize it, because majority of, of uh, the industry sends it out for sterilization and then package and dated based on that, right? Do what? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm I said even the majority of, of the industry does not sterilize their own packaging. They send it out for sterilization and then there are just certain controls to keep it under certain conditions post-sterilization before it's distributed. That, that's correct. But most, some masks come sterile, but those are for very specific intended environments of use. The bulk of respirators don't come sterile. Correct, but I don't know what they mean to do because I saw which I requested them to take off of their website because they're getting all these orders now. They're going to make this and this and this and this and this mask and uh, really what they need right now is just a surgical mask because it looks like their raw material does um, comply with the fluid requirements as well as the flammability requirements based on the Nielsen reports that I saw and, and that's where it needs to stop. So thank you for con confirming the whole ISO thing. Okay, so, so let me ask you this. From what you, when I listened to your webcast, you were also focusing on the N95 masks or the respirators, which is obviously the big needed thing. And, but if I look at the, um, at the emergency use authorization, I don't really see surgical masks under there. It looks like they just allow people to, to make surgical masks and sell them as just masks, not surgical masks. Um, well, it's all on the claims that you wanna make and how your product is labeled. So there's three different kinds of masks for, uh, and I'm pulling, up, I'm pulling up a tool to show you here. Give me just a second. So, okay, so if you have a mask or a face shield that's not a liquid barrier and you want to make no claims besides that a healthcare worker can use this to cover their nose and mouth and you put this whole list of kind of warnings or contraindications on it, then you can just sell that mask without notifying the FDA. You do have to have records that you are compliant with the EUA. You have to have a, a, a procedure for complaints and records. There's wording on your website. There's a good deal of stuff that you still have to have or do, but you just don't have to communicate it to the FDA. And if they do want to have a surgical face mask, then and it meets this labeling can you they still get 
excuse me, EUA, or do they just have to go straight for the 510K? No, so under the EUA, if they want to have a face mask that they do say is surgical, yeah, they need to test per, they have to test for that fluid resistance, the fixed standard, and then they can maybe to flammability, if they don't test the flammability, then they have to have the warning on the, the label about the use environment. But, but you do have to send an email to the FDA with all the information required in both the guidance document and the, the EUA combinations. Okay, so like I said, they will be buying the raw material that comply with these two requirements <clears throat> and then some, they even have uh, microbial resistance. Right. And so this is the same stuff that 3M uses. Mm -hmm. or orders from this company so that's why since they already have that and that's the raw material they're going to purchase or they are in the process of purchasing so i mean they're a pretty responsible company they want to be compliant right so that sounds like that they're likely going to fall in this category and really for marketing purposes this is Probably the, the best because you, you're not guaranteed that a hospital is going to purchase this mask. Right. Because there's so many limitations on the environment of use. So if they have the documentation and we can reasonably prove that they're compliant um, and to what level of fluid resistance they're compliant, the only thing is, is that we may... I think part of the dialogue we're going to have to have with the FDA about the under the EUA is say, hey, this testing was done on the raw material, not mm -hmm. the finished mask. Will right. you still accept this underneath the EUA or are they going to have to get that final product tested? Yeah, because that's what I wanted to know because they're thinking that they have to make the product. And I said, well, let, let, me, let me talk to Michelle and her team and find out what you need to do so that we know what we're up against, what the timelines are and what the cost is going to be. But then again, I'm in marketing and business development and so on. I never would have bought the machines without this knowledge of this information. But, you know, off they went and they got two and now they went and bought six. So I figured. So you've said a couple of times that they really don't have any medical experience, but they have device registrations and listings for three medical products. As a contract manufacturer, though, they still should have a good bit of those, the manufacturing controls, almost all. They're, even if they're making the product for somebody else, they're legally responsible for compliance with all of the good manufacturing practice requirements of the 21 CFR 820.